Ace Podcast. Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon. Or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out TangiboundNetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains, you can do it. You can do it. Check it out, tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On our latest episode, we discuss if Wonder Woman, with all that's at stake, is the most important movie of 2017. We're also talking the future of Funko Pops in the world of collecting and what recent movies do we regret watching. All this, plus clips from the latest What About This and Super BS Gamescast from Humanican Media, and another great song from Plasma Z. It's another wonderful lineup of podcast topics we have for you today as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry, that quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Joe Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm here along with my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend, the leader of all humanic media. It's Josh Peterson. What's going on, my friend? What up? Just uh, you know, doing some podcast, uh, talking pop culture, editing. Just staying up all night, not sleeping, jacked up on monsters, you know? There you go. Uh, he's wired to the gills. I tell you, we are ready for another pack show today. It's, it's a great, great uh, pleasure indeed to be on with you today. We truly appreciate it. It's the PCC Multiverse, one of the top 10 shows right here on the Podcast Radio Network every Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And we also, if you don't... Well, if you are not able to catch the show or the Pop Culture Cosmos show when it hits the Podcast Radio Network, 
that's okay because we have it available for download on a numerous, numerous array of podcasting channels. And I'm going to go down the list real quickly for you right now. Starts off with, of course, iTunes, Mixcloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podcast.com. We've also got Google Play, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, TuneIn, and the Gunna Geek Network as well. And our latest, latest edition, we want to welcome again the Ace Podcast Network, which I've got pretty much down pat because I just did 32 promos for them. Actually, we just did 32 promos for them. It's just a great pleasure to do it for all the great programs, and we, we definitely appreciate being part of their networks indeed. So that again, if you get a chance, download our show at any point in time, and you'll get a bonus podcast from Humanica Media or Rob McCallum Films or Game Source or Wine, Women, and Words just because we, you know, we appreciate you actually downloading the podcast each and every time you do so. So we got a great program lined up for you today. We also got a, a great song coming from Plasma Z. And Josh, I know we're going to play some clips later on from What About This, but also what's coming up this week with Humanica Media? Um, yeah, just more of the same. I'm, I'm kind of not doing so well keeping up on everything. So, But I thought you were loaded up on Monsters. I am loaded up on Monsters, but... You know how I get sidetracked. I got that article up that everyone can now read. Um, That's available on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. What's that, what is it all about? I, I, I've only seen it a couple times, and it's actually a great read. But let everybody know we've got a great article up there from you. What's it all about? The article is about depression, suicide, anxiety, 13 Reasons Why, and Chris Cornell. I know it's a long title, but give it a read. It kind of, uh, ever, ever since we did that episode of what about this, where, um, you know, we're talking about 13 reasons why suicide, depression, all that stuff. People keep asking me to elaborate on my thoughts. And <clears throat> originally I wasn't going to, and then uh, I came across this blog on the internet uh, a couple weeks ago that was written by a nutritionist with a bachelor's degree in, or not, sorry, a, somebody with a bachelor's degree in nutrition with no history of mental health. And she's trying to tell people how to get over depression. So I was like, you know, it's time I just, through some knowledge out there. So I finally did it. It's up there at Pop Culture Cosmos. Uh, it's very, you know, most, probably the most vulnerable piece I've ever written. So give it a read. Let me know what you think. And, uh, you know, this week you will have a brand new Topic Apocalypse coming at you and a new Super Bro Station. I know I've fallen behind on those. but uh, And you can also check out the latest episode of What About This available on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, um, YouTube, Facebook. Just check it out. It's all over the place. Absolutely, indeed. And also, you can catch this show and the Pop Culture Cosmos show on our YouTube channel, the Pop Culture Cosmos YouTube channel. And I've almost forgot, Overcast.fm has also the iTunes feed for our shows as well. So again, it's going to be a great broadcast today. But our main story, well, it's got to be. It's got to be this week. The, well, the one of, I guess I'm calling it the most, or I should say, the most important movie of 2017. It's Wonder Woman. It's coming out this weekend. There's, a, uh, I guess, a lot of, of back and forth in regards to the picture itself, how important this film's success is to the DC franchise, exactly how important it is to Warner Brothers as a whole and their 
their superhero aspirations going forward, how important it is for the Justice League coming up later this year, how important it is for uh, as far as you know, women in a, a role of the stature, uh, also a, a female director because a female director uh, was responsible for creating this film. And I'm going to tell you right now, I am, am so – I'm very eager to to see this film because it just – it looks like it's a winner on all all bounds. It's, it's garnered very strong reviews, uh, very, very solid reviews, very strong reviews out there that are just giving it you know, really, really solid praise across the board. Gal Gadot uh, – for the most part, is getting good reviews as well. It reminds me a lot of when Jean-Claude Van Damme and also as well Arnold Schwarzenegger really started to hit those roles as with them at the forefront. Wait, 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 real quick. Well, hold on. Let me, let me, let me say with because they have accents as far as they're, they're still trying. You know, they speak fluently with the English language, but they are still with their accent. There was still some question I could see. I know with both Jean Claude and Arnold, when they both hit as far as become mainstream actors, there was always a question whether or not they could translate, uh, you know, their charisma to through to an audience, especially here in the U.S. Even with their their thick accents, and Gal Gadot, even with her accent, because uh, she's she's from Israel, still does an amazing job in as far as that's concerned. So I, am I wrong in saying that? Oh, or, no, no, no. Sorry, I thought you were like going the, a different, I thought you were going no, a different No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm like... saying the parallels <laughs> because her becoming a top star in this in this industry. Um, this is obviously a marquee role, yes, as a woman, yes, but also as a woman who has, uh, like I said, an accent that it's there. It's, it's not going anywhere. She doesn't try to hide it like she has in some other roles. She's very upfront with it. And even though it differentiates itself from the rest of the characters that are being played, like Robin Wright and whatnot, it, you know, where she, where her, the Wonder Woman's uh, ancestors are from and, and her, her cohorts and whatnot, and all of the Amazon women, I, I should say her accent is different. Obviously, it's different from everybody else's. So it, it doesn't matter because it looks like, for all intents and purposes, her role is being praised. And and she's garnering herself a, a nice role and a nice part in the film as far as it's concerned and, and possibly as a strong candidate to lead a lot more films, not just in the DC universe, you know, down the road as well. So, I mean, I'm, I see her now as becoming with if this if this movie does very well. Not only is it extremely important for Warner Brothers, extremely important for DC, but also for her career long-term as well as her becoming a major player in Hollywood. Your thoughts on Wonder Woman, Josh, and do you really think it's it is the do you really think it's the most important movie of 2017? Yeah, it's definitely the most uh, socially conscious conscious uh, this conscious sorry sorry socially conscious that's what i'm trying to say movie of 2017 i think it's going to do great things as far as uh you know bringing more female directors i know it wasn't uh black panther doesn't that have a female director too uh no it doesn't. i think it has an african-american director but it does not i or, don't think 
Captain Marvel? Captain Marvel, I believe, okay. does. Captain yeah, Marvel so does. I think that Wonder Woman is going to actually pave the way for more of what we're seeing. And from what I understand, it's doing really well. Like it's it's really well received with critics. It's got a hundred percent or a fresh rating from Rotten Tomato, and that's nearly impossible. So uh, the reviews are right, in. It, right now, it's at ninety four percent. Yeah, and they said it's guaranteed fresh. So it's like it's one of those like, hey, if it's getting praised from Rotten Tomato, there must be something to it. But um. You know, it's weird because I read today that they are um, not showing it in certain parts of the Middle East just because she's Israeli. Uh, in Lebanon, they have banned it because she is from Israel. Even though previous films she was in, like Batman versus Superman or whatnot, uh, that was allowed. But I guess because she is at the forefront of the film, it's it's not uh, being allowed to be shown in, in Lebanon. That's stupid. That is absolutely ridiculous. And then, uh, just to let you know, Captain Marvel is being directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. Okay. All right. All right. Good. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as like female directors and female superhero movies, of course, we want to see more because there are a lot of really interesting female characters. Um, as far as as far as the uh, what you were saying with with the actual band in Lebanon, I mean, this goes back. You know that goes. That's a that's an issue that's been going back longer than you know you and I've been alive. So let's just put it that way. So. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's just I've been seeing a lot more about like because I was reading early about Radiohead or people heckling Radiohead for wanting to do, to do concerts in Israel and that like you know it's just like them or don't like them. Everyone's worthy of you know getting valuable entertainment. That's my uh, opinion on that. But do you do you mind that that I made that characterization of her career being somewhat of a parallel today to the '80s Jean Claude Van Damme and Arnold Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Because first off, I mean their careers, especially in the early part of the careers, could because their accents were uh, even thicker at that point in time. I should say, if you watch their early films as opposed to later when it became, uh, I guess. I don't want to say more uh, more English based or, or anything like that, but it, it became a little bit more distinctive as far as people understanding exactly what they were trying to correlate. And uh, you know, Arnold these days, I mean, there he, he's Arnold. He's become a, a a film and movie icon. So, I mean, did you see the per- parallels between that and her as far as being able to break through any being able to break through any barrier as far as that's concerned with her, you know, accent and whatnot. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Like I, I thought that you're trying to convince people to go see Wonder Woman based on, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and John Claude Van Damme. Movies. No, but go, go based <laughs> off the fact that she's getting very solid reviews for the most, most part. And, and that this is a very, very, very highly and strongly recommended movie. Uh, the, and I, I, I've, got tickets you know just like probably many other people this weekend that's going to check it out and i can't wait to share my thoughts on on the next episode of the pop culture cosmos show as well so i just i'm just seeing her career pattern in the same fashion as as theirs i may be wrong on it i may be off on it if you have any thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com or let us know or, or let us know facebook um, to be a uh, pop culture cosmos, humanity media, or game source as well. I mean, that that's up to you, but that's just the way I see it. And and I'm definitely wishing her, her 
the director and the entire team uh, all the all the success with this movie but is uh, when are you correlating it what does wonder woman need to do to make sure it does what it needs to do for the dc franchise it you know it just needs to be a story that people like something that the uh that has heart and the studio doesn't you know do what they did with batman versus superman it's and it's going to be cool because if this movie is financially successful and critically successful as it already seems to be, um, you know, not only is it going to shape the future of the DC universe, but it's going to be shaped by, you know, a female director and a female, uh, or you're an actress, if you will. Um, and they've kind of built the foundation and they're, they've, it's a it's a monumental achievement, honestly, because they're bailing a sinking franchise and they're just setting the standard for what it's going to be going forward. So, uh, you know, and they're banking it all on uh, a lot on this film. Yeah, Justice League's there, but as we've talked about, due to recent things and whatnot, Justice League is not being counted upon as much as this film, right smack dab in the middle of the summer. Right. So, I mean, it's, hey, this is, this is exciting. This is a, a good time for this type of thing. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really stoked to see it. Hopefully I'll see it before the weekend's over, but yeah, this is a, this is a great time. And DC's future movie slate is kind of m- messy right now. I don't even think they know what's coming up, but uh, th- this could really set, set a standard. Like it, it could, it might, you know, give Marvel a run for their money. We'll have to see. And then, because you like you said, it's uh, all over the place. Uh, Cyborg is being thrown all over the place. Aquaman is is now being considered and moved up as far as uh, a film that they think might do strongly because of Jason Momoa. Um, there's there's the Flash. Nobody knows if there's really going to be an actuality a, a feature length film or if it's just going to be something he's going to stay just within the Justice League universe. That kind of like you said is up in the air. But for me, it also sends a sign if if Wonder Woman really does well for the Marvel side of it, yes, not only it does it bode well for Captain Marvel, but it could bode well for fans, as we've said before, for Black Widow, as far as possibly finally, finally seeing a, a film centered around her uh, and her exploits, which would be just a, a tremendous pleasure to you know, big fans of Black Widow out there, like my 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 girls and whatnot. So I'm hoping for that. Uh, I'm hoping Wonder Woman does really, really strongly. Uh, I'm just just very pleased to see the good thoughts and good reviews so far on it. What are your thoughts on Wonder Woman when you check it out? What you know, are you excited to see it, or if you do get a chance to see it this weekend, you know, are you, did you like it? Did you not like it? What was what was strong about it? What was not? How was Gal Gadot? Do you do you think she's the the person and the individual that's going to be helping to lead the DC movie franchise going forward? Send us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Plus also as well, popculturecosmos, Mannequin Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So before we go to another great song from Plasma Z, uh, Josh, I just want to ask you real quick with so much on the line for wonder woman how much do you think it needs to do domestically and worldwide in order to basically deem it a success and a success a success for the dc movie franchise i would assume it would three to four hundred million would be like a success to them because i mean i think it's definitely going to do that but i mean as far as like 
getting a return on your money and also you know paying for all the marketing materials I would say that that would be a decent number uh, you know in the first couple of weeks and then uh, you know going I, I think it's gonna do a lot better than that but well you know we'll, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see I don't I can't uh, give any predictions because I don't know I, I don't have the information in front of me about like what the other DC movies have done well I can tell you firsthand that uh, almost all the recent ones, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad, all be- did between basically three and three hundred thirty million dollars domestically. So if it does anywhere near that or over, which is a a very good possibility, that is definitely a reachable number. That that would be a big win. Now, do I think it's going to topple the eight hundred seventy plus million that Batman versus Superman got worldwide? I don't think it's going to do that much internationally. I think if it does anywhere near six to seven hundred million, I think DC, you know, DC and Warner Brothers will be doing just tremendous backflips because that's exactly what what they should be expecting and hoping that the film will garner. If they do three, four hundred million, five hundred million, that's still definitely a, a pretty good win indeed. And and I'm just hoping, like like we we both said, there, there's going to be some great things and great word of mouth that will hopefully not cause it to have that humongous second we drop that the previous DC films had. I think the good word of mouth is going to spread so that I, I think it will prevent against that. I don't think you'll see a, such a larger drop. And I think it will have some longer legs than those movies indeed, especially here in the U.S. Uh, so... There you go right there. We we have strong hopes indeed for the Wonder Woman film. Definitely think it's going to be something that, that the whole family will enjoy and definitely think it's going to be something to reignite and kickstart the DC universe. And on our Monday show, we'll recap the weekend and we'll just find out for sure. We'll, we'll share our thoughts exactly on the film itself, our opinions, and then also we'll recap to see if it does indeed get off to a great start and reignite that DC movie franchise. Well, we have a great show here tonight. Uh, just awesome to, to have you aboard and listening to our show. We truly appreciate it. And before we hit anything else, including another cut from the great What About This podcast, we've got a clip from Plasma Z. This is level one, and this is the PCC Multiverse.
that was Plasma Z. Check out his entire list of great tracks today on SoundCloud. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey everyone, if you're in the Southern California area and are looking for the best way to improve your home, look no further than adding some always green synthetic grass today. Whether it's creating that awesome backyard that's kid and pet friendly, or that putting green to work on your golf game, Always Green provides installation and landscaping with only American-made products, such as their famous synthetic turf with advanced drainage technology and backed by a 15-year warranty that will have your yard looking great for a very long time. Always Green also installs retaining walls, custom lighting and driveways, and the most beautiful stone walkways, so if you live in the Southern California area, what are you waiting for? Financing is also available, so call for a free estimate today. 714-614-7814. That's 714-614-7814. Or stop by their store at 16772 Wanda Circle in Huntington Beach. And get your home looking great with Always Green Synthetic Turf and Putting Greens. A proud sponsor of Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanican Media, and the PCC Multiverse channels. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm here along with my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend from Humanican Media. It's Josh Peterson. If you have any questions for for us as far as, you know, topics to cover or just basically any questions for us at all and stuff that we already have covered, don't forget you can send us a line at any point in time, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, Josh, I just I, I, there's a lot of great things to go over as far as from the pop culture land, but there was actually one thing I wanted to discuss with you as far as from the collectible standpoint. And we haven't talked collectibles in a little while. I know we we you and I we collect every now and then. We've got our Funko Pops, we got our all the great things, the fidget spinners that are out there, and uh, all that good stuff. So I ask you, Josh. Speaking of pops. They've been out a little while now. They've virtually gotten every license they could get their hands on. And they recently announced a new line of Game of Thrones and the Kingsmen added to this. So that's pretty much left. I don't know. There's there's not too many licenses they can, they can go after at this point that I can think of because they've pretty much got a handle on everything that's out there whether it's from the video game world, like I've got Nathan Drake here, obviously DC, Marvel, Star Wars, they got all those covered as far as all realms of pop culture. And you can see these pretty much in almost every general department, toy store, odds and ends store. Uh, My gosh, even our friends at Retro City Games, uh, Nicole and Doug, they sell them as well. So I want to ask you, Josh, Given all that information and pops is pretty much the past two years have really come on like gangbusters. Do you see that there may be a tipping point as far as the popularity of pops are concerned? And do you think it maybe it's not exactly the great collectible it once was? Uh, I think everything happens in fads. Uh, do you remember, you know, Beanie Babies, Pogs, Pokemon cards? I think it all garbage pale kids, garbage pale kids. Yeah. They'll still pop up every once in a while, but I think it all happens in fads. I think, you know, right now it's popular. You go into a GameStop, uh, they have, 
walls and walls of these things. You go into comic book stores, they have Funko Pops and all this other stuff. Basically, like, they're, I don't know, it, it's it's one of those things where it, it's hard to, it, it'll be hard to know for sure until people stop buying them because as long as they keep announcing new products and people are still excited to go buy them, it's, it's one of those things. Like, I, to me, I, I don't, you know, I don't have any reason to buy these things, but yet I go into GameStop and I'm like, oh, cool, look, they have Funko Pops from Silicon Valley. That would be rad. And I end up spending money on something I didn't know that I wanted. So it's... <laughs> like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I <clears throat> will there be a point when people stop like going, hey, this is coming out and I need it? Yes, there will be a point when that happens. But will there be a point when they walk into a GameStop, which is basically GameStop slash uh, Hot Topic, and they see these things on the wall and they're like, I mean, that, that'd be kind of, who wouldn't want to own a claptrap, you know? Or Think Geek or, you know, what they're just trying to keep the doors open by providing a lot more because obviously their standard business model that they were, you know, so used to for so many years, it's not exactly as strong as they w once was due to obviously digital, digital distribution. So they have to try everything and, and then some to get people's attention and selling pops, maybe that, that that's a ticket. But we're going to E3 here in a couple of weeks, and I can just tell you right now, what are the odds that there's not going to be someone that's going to be selling some pops of some kind of some video game characters? Now, there's probably going to be something out there that we can get that's populated pop indeed. So it's something that definitely, uh, I don't know if it, that's saturated, whether or not you want to say it's oversaturated, that's, that's your call. Uh, I think it's getting borderline oversaturated uh, onto the marketplace. I think that eventually at some point, it's maybe another year out of this, then as far as on top, then maybe you'll start seeing something else take over the top spot. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but, you know, Josh, as a collector who doesn't want to be a collector, who goes into a store and then becomes a collector, what are some of the ones that you actually target besides Silicon Valley when you go and, and look for collectibles? Uh, as far as the Funko Pop figures go? Well, pretty much that, or do, do you follow other type of collectibles? Because me, I go for lanyards. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I dig lanyards and whatnot. I've got quite a collection, unfortunately, whether you can call it hoarding fine, whatever, <laughs> but I just call it masterful collecting. But, you know, are there some collectibles that you like to go to outside of the pop world? Yeah. I mean, right now, like I'm, I like, um, you know, I got some action figures over there, but I like video game action figures. Like I bought some Gears of War ones, Assassin's Creed. I got prototype. Um, you know, I even got fascist stampede from the Trigun anime, but I like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll spend money on these toys, retro toys. I'll go into Toys R Us sometimes to buy stuff for my nephew and come out with like $60 worth of stuff for me. And, uh, <clears throat> I do like t-shirts. <laughs> and you get like maybe like a $5 gift card for your oh, dude. It's true. Have you ever been into a Toys R Us? They have those retro toy aisles. And like the other day, I almost, you know, not other day, but it was a while ago. I almost dropped, you know, like sixty bucks on a retro aliens action figure set that had Bill Pax, uh, Bill Paxton, and uh, Sergeant Hicks inside of it. And I was like, ah, that's rad. But uh, you know, beyond you have, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character and and Martin, uh, was it Private Martinez, Sergeant Martinez? Yeah, they had all of those. Um, you know, you could buy them separately. You could buy the Xenomorphs and the uh, the big loader. But, um, you know, b besides that, it's just I have a big thing with T-shirts now. So I recently bought Super Mario T-shirt, Legend of Zelda T-shirt. I've got a, 
you know, the hockey ones with thrice on them. It, I, I like to collect t-shirts, you know, it's just, uh, same here. I, I like to, and the, you know, uh, I kind of dig wearing t-shirts as well, as far as, you know, all the marvels and, and I've got like a ton of star Wars and whatnot. So our, our collection definitely is big indeed. I'm hoping at E3 we can, uh, like, uh, any, any video game developers, video game publisher out there, you know how to get in good with us. Well, okay. We'll still give you unbiased opinions and, and whatnot, but we will, we would be so happy if you could just maybe flow a t-shirt here or two here our, our way. That would be really cool for, for some of our games indeed. So we'll put, we even wear them on the air for you. How about that? So, yeah, I always like to go, uh, you know, when we go to E3 and, and, and see if we can uh, get a little bit of swag, so to speak. So, but uh, if, if you out there have thoughts on, on Funko pops, exactly how long do you think this, this, incredible sensation is going to last shares your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com like i said i think i see maybe one more big holiday of it and then maybe something supplanting it as the go-to ticket maybe even funko's creation as well could they'll have something else down the line that will replace it share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well game source humanican media and also Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Twitter as well. This is Travis from Ghost Coasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos podcast. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. The guys from the What About This podcast are back with some more great conversations. We fast forward today and, you know, us waking up from shame is like coming out of the Matrix, you know? We got all, like, <laughs> like, pulling all the tubes yeah. out. And then, but it goes back to like objective view. Why can't they see what I see? Like, how am I going to make myself vulnerable and put myself out there without right. them knowing where I'm coming from? Fantastic. Yes. And so we have like... Even today's society's definition of acceptance yeah. is not real. It's like, right. I'm accepting you because it makes me feel better as a human right. being about whatever it is yeah. you want. Yeah, well, yeah we're constantly so rejecting and shame. accepting things in order. So if I reject something, what I'm doing is I'm trying to find my identity in it. If mm-hmm. I'm, I'm about that, I'm not. And when I say I'm not about that, it's also it, what it's doing is I'm saying that's part of who I am. Right. And so we, you know, we're compelled by things or we're, we're repelled by things. And I would even say there's, there's an element of, of, no, that's, you know, the jealousy factor is you are compelled by it, but you're jealous. So you can't be compelled by it instead of the appreciation yeah. and understanding like the complexity of each kid. Yeah. That, like you didn't have three of the same. And even if you had triplets, they ain't the same. Right. Yeah. Right. So we're constantly absorbing what society wants from us so even if we're like we're aware of of this we we tend to get buried beneath what everybody else is thinking or projecting yeah yeah and i think i think that's why shame is the starting point to transformation identifying shame looking at shame seeing shame calling shame what it's it's like a it's like a car our soul is like a dirty car, mm-hmm. you know, that has just a, a bunch of dirt on the outside and water everywhere. Yes. Identifying shame is like 
the car wash, right? Where there's a whole bunch of stuff inside of it that still needs to be like sifted through and worked on. But when we when we see the shame, we, we call it what it is, and it's like we get this like nice car wash for our car so that we can at least see inside and, and see like what what's down there and what's you going know, on. You know you just right. made me think about with your car illustration is white why do people buy white cars? Because they don't look as dirty. Yeah. And so it's almost like we're like the white we're like these white cars yeah. mm-hmm. and they're like and then and then you like you said you take it to the wash and you go, yeah. Oh yeah, oh there was a film. You, yeah. but you know what else? But, you know what, yeah. you know what my, where my mind took me to is like why do people write wash me on those cars as if they're shaming the they're car that it's dirty that's like shame you're like what? shame like, tactics guys you're like I know my car is dirty you don't need to write wash no, Keith, me on Keith, it because there is because right, if you're 40 like, years old and up right. if you don't have a your car no, but is I, not clean but I just, you are not I just a, think that's you're a not a whole person I just think that's right. a funny impulse and it's what it we've is. been talking about. It's a funny impulse for like the 16-year-old kid because he thinks it's funny, which is the worst right. form of humor. But why would they but even like, do this? Because the 45-year-old... Right. Right. right, no, I understand it. it. Why? Let's, let's same, take it a, a step further. It's part of the same system. Let's yes. take it a step further. Absolutely. Why, Absolutely. why do you feel super uncomfortable? I'm not saying us. I don't think we're going to fall into this category. But why do a lot of people feel so ashamed when somebody comes over to their house and it's yes. not clean, right. spotless? What do you say? Don't go in that room. Do right. not, do yeah. not... Go in. We pretend to be something we're not in the moment. It's just, it's right. yeah. like, how is there a better picture of just our souls? Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't look at that part. Yes. Yeah. You know, let's not talk about because, Don't do that part. Again, but going back to Travis's point, because there's a vulnerability in inviting, inviting, not even just having someone stop by your house, but inviting someone over in. when your house is a mess. That's the What About This podcast, available today on all Humanica Media outlets. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. The guys from the Super BS Gamescast share their thoughts on the latest video game news. So yeah, that was kind of the only cool news I really read. There was some other like fun stuff, but the Mario RPG was kind of like the big one this week. I have week. a question for you guys. Yeah. So obviously you know that Netflix is making a Castlevania show. Oh. Do you think... Cause, okay. Did you watch the trailer? I watched the trailer. Okay. Do you think that they can really capture the magic that is Castlevania I've never been a Castlevania. Show? Yeah, I've never been a Castlevania fan. That's So I don't... I'm the worst person to ask. I've played one game. Or no, I played two. They, uh, they were always really intriguing to me. Did you ever play them? Yeah, they had, the stories had a lot of layer. I played of Symphony that. of the Night and Super <laughs> Castlevania 4. Like... Yeah, played Bloodlines, Symphony of the Night. You guys are um, Lord of Shadows. 
No, I didn't play the, any of the 360 games. I think Those look cool. I, I bought I played one, some I of the first Lord of Shadows. I, I think I own it. I, I don't remember if I sold it or whatever. Those are the whatever, Kojima ones, right? Yeah, yeah, they looked cool. They looked really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I you know Netflix is doing a lot of game stuff. They also announced The Witcher this week yeah, that they're going to do a that. Witcher uh, series. I saw the trailer for the Castlevania game. It's an anime. Um, you know, I'm not a huge anime fan. There are like some things I enjoy, like Attack on Titan. Yeah, I, I think, don't know. I wish that it was in. Is it in at all? Remotely, kind of the art style for all of the promo work. Uh, it, it looks like a anime? basic anime. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is this I mean, it looks me? very nice. Like, like it looks good. how hard it is it in this day and age to like, um, like adopt a unique art style. Like if you, you know what I mean. Like, well, I guess is they just keep this, paying the same artist. Literally you know? your typical anime. Style yeah, it's is. yeah because the all the like the box art and promo art for Castlevania games are like, always cool. Yeah, like, it's like it's anime ish, but everyone's like really pale and the colors yeah. are really wispy and stuff like that. Yeah. Why can't they just make a show that? Like, why can't it look like that? Yeah, like, why does it have to look like? I think it's because yeah, I was reading this on Kotaku recently. Anime people get paid so little money that most of them do like five different shows at the same mm-hmm. time. My guess is they're just hiring like a similar team that's already doing like a bunch of other shows. So yeah. I, I don't know. I am less interested now that I saw the trailer. I was originally hoping it was going to be live action. I think that's they said anime, but I'm still hoping The Witcher will be live action. But I'm assuming it will also be CGI or anime. It's stupid not to make The Witcher live action. I'm almost positive they're not. I'm pretty sure really? I read that it's going to be CGI or anime. It's, it's or weird because the. The creators of the game don't have anything to do with the Witcher. Yeah, it's just the, the author, the guy who wrote the books. And because I, I almost wouldn't be surprised if he sold it to Netflix because he made so little money because he was an idiot on uh, the games. Because yeah, he's, he's so bitter about that too. Well, yeah, it's his fault. He hated video games, so he yeah. sold them the license or whatever for like nothing with no royalties. Or he sold it not for nothing. He sold it for a decent price, but he didn't want any royalties because he just wanted to get his money and leave. He's like, video games aren't important. Oh, stupid. Uh. Uh, whatever that guy sucks, and uh, we'll see how The Witcher is. I've heard the books are cool, so I'm hoping it's a cool show. Netflix has is just like literally shotgunning shows out now, so I don't know. That's the Super BS Gamescast available today on all Humanica Media outlets. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry, that quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. Check it out. Every Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Podcast Radio Network. And we're back here on the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. We're here to close out the show. I'm here along with my good friend. He's the man, myth, the legend behind Humanity Media. It's Josh Peterson. Before we get out on uh, this, this great program today, before we head on out, and, and also as well, before we touch on our last subject of the day, Josh, once again, what's going on with the wonderful stuff and wonderful projects and all the great podcasts known or coming from Humanica Media? Um, yeah, just the uh, same old 
stuff. You got a uh, super BS coming at you this week. New topic apocalypse. Next week there'll be a new what about this. But in the meantime, check out the last episode of What About This, which is available now on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, your various uh, podcasting outlets. And also check out the article I wrote relating to the uh, previous episode of What About This now on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Well, I thought we. Well, I thought we would close out the show with a little bit of fun topic that that you know you and I can go back and forth on, and I know you 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 and I have had both had those experiences where we sat in a movie or, or watched it on television or whatnot, and just go, "What happened to my life? That was two hours I'll never get back." Uh, things of that nature, where you just really just maybe regretted the decision to sit down and watch the film as a whole. I recently had the displeasure of watching Black Hat. I never caught it when it came out in January 2015, starring Chris Hemsworth, and directed by somebody I really, really enjoy films from. In fact, one of his films that's actually on my top 25 all time, Michael Mann, uh, obviously the creator of Miami Vice and and heat and and uh you know plenty of other good movies manhunter uh whatnot uh, made black hat with chris hemsworth it's regarding a hacker who's brought back out of jail in order to try and stop and uh you know uh, uh, someone from from causing mass destruction I got to tell you, this this movie was a stinker from start to finish, and had one of the worst scenes. I, I I'm 48 years old now, 48 years old. I've seen a lot of films. I don't know how many, but it would probably have to be in the thousands by now. And I'm not kidding when I say that. There's had to be one of the worst sequences that I've ever seen, just from a. a standpoint of, of ludicrousy and just idiots let me ask you this josh if you're going to if you see if you see a car that blows up mind you two people get into the uh mind you three people are in the car but yet you wait for two people that you're going to try to kill anyways to get out of the car before you blow up the car then on top of that while you're trying to shoot the unpar the unarmed people from a distance spoilers here by the way from a distance when they're unarmed when you can just walk up and bang 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 and you're still doing it from a distance while you're wearing body armor and have uzis you get a car that drives up with your friends driving up and start shooting from behind catching them by surprise but instead of staying behind you drive up around where they're shooting so that you can get in front of them. And when you get in front of them, you step out of the car, not looking for any cover, and just going and pointing a shoot. Mind you, these people have body armor and Uzi still shooting at you. And basically, your time is numbered right there on the screen. I just had to just, I saw that and just my mind was blown at, at someone who, you know, actually was aspiring to do. Uh, television and film at some point in his life, just seeing how bad it was constructed, and and from a, a director that's that's truly revered. Just I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what the crew was thinking. I don't know what the scriptwriter was thinking. It just had to be one of the worst scenes I've ever seen in cinema. So 
along with that, I saw King Arthur Legend of the Sword. I'm sorry. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Before you go into this, your first one reminds me of how I play Splinter Cell, and it never worked out very well for me. But that exactly. It, just the the logic involved. When you get a chance, you just you you probably can YouTube it. The scene out there in in Black Hat, and uh, just it just has to be from a logistic standpoint, probably one of the dumbest scenes i've ever seen in my life and just, the whole movie is a slog and uh, just really a bad experience and i can tell you also as well like i said king of the arthur legend of the sword is not a very pleasant experience as well and i, I explained that on one of our previous episodes why that is and i'm sorry josh i just and you're wrong you know it's, I, and, it's, and i'm wrong it's, and i might wrong. be wrong and i'm wrong <laughs> I, I'm, I apologize but I, numbers don't lie right now josh so that's all i say with that but um, you know, those are some of the ones that I regret going through. And then also, you know, recent ones like Warcraft. <sighs> that was really two hours taken out of my life. I want back. And then obviously the DC disasters uh, from a critical standpoint, not necessarily from monetary range, but Suicide Squad and Batman vs. Superman, which were tied for my worst film of the year of last year those were some of the recent movies that i regret and it's not my top 10 worst all time they could be on my list they could not be on the list i know at some point in time i'm gonna have to like a like a bad memory just jot all all those down and, and write down one of these days write down a list of of my 10 top worst films of all time i don't know how you could say top but maybe bottom 10 worst films of all the time that from my era or from from my thoughts so i'm gonna have to do that at some point in time but josh Tell us your stories about some some films that that you really regret you ever watched. Okay, there there are okay. Let's talk about this. There, there's one. If movie. you see that, if you see that scene in Black Hat, if you see that scene in Black Hat, you will. The first thing is, Gerald, you were right. All right, I'm I'm gonna Google it. But so there there's remember back when uh, the Scorpion King came out with The Rock. This, this is like way back when after uh, the mummy returns, but oh, that's some of the most horrid CG ever. Oh, for real. But um, you know, as 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 a kid, I didn't regret watching it. I was like, oh, it was cool. But um, I remember specifically my mom. I was I was hanging out with my mom and sister. I was I think I was in like the third or fourth grade or something. No, maybe sixth grade. Some six sixth or seventh grade. That sounds more like it. But uh. They're like, hey, we're if you come to lunch with us, we're gonna take you to see the Scorpion King. It's like, oh sweet, let's go see this movie. We get to the movie theater, they buy the tickets, go to the movie theater, and guess what? They tricked me into watching a walk to remember. And so that is that will for that experience will ever, will forever haunt me. And had I gone to see that movie, maybe like willingly i don't know if i would ever go see it willingly maybe i'd be like oh that's a that's a decent movie but the circumstances okay so i'll ask this how bad were you traumatized i was pretty traumatized like i remember my sister bought the movie when it came out on vhs or whatever and i was just like i was having flashbacks i just i even now on netflix i like skip past it as fast as i can whenever i get to like a genre that it's on um yeah, so you drop that link there. I'll check it out. Um, but yeah, yeah so the whole movie is a whole black hat. I mean, because Chris Hemsworth, he's done a great job in a lot of other films, and yes, he does a great Thor, outstanding Thor indeed. But his his accent uh, was just really bad in this film, uh, and just just the movie stunk. That's that's all I say. It just cannot speak <laughs> any more of it. And it, it, FX just recently brought out and uh, watched the uh, director's cut, and you know what? It didn't make the movie any better. 
Oh, sorry. Um, um, okay, but yeah, as far as like this year goes, I think the worst movie that I'd, I've seen is uh, I just sat down and tried to watch uh, The Great Wall with Matt Damon. And, whew, buddy, let me tell you about that one, all right? That was, you know, whitewashing aside. Which it, that, that I, I is, saw that one too. Yes, yes, definitely. That was that, like, that was white, really bad too. Oh, dude, the, the whitewashing, not, you know, at least of my concerns. If, if you're more concerned about the whitewashing than how bad the movie was, you you got to rethink your priorities because this movie was truly bad. I got about 30 minutes into it and I have never stopped watching a movie halfway through. Never, ever, because I have this obsession of seeing how things end. But I shut it off, could not watch any more of it. Did not care to sit there and watch another minute of that movie. It's just nothing about it was interesting to me. Well, the great, I, I can't agree with you more on the great wall. It looked like it really was, uh, Matt Damon going for a paycheck. I know my, you know, people that watched it with me liked it a little bit more than I did, but it definitely looked like it was a paycheck grab, a money grab. And you know, how can you fault Matt Damon for doing so? Yeah, but that just was, it's not his acting style. Listening to him trying to sit there and talk like a tough European warrior, it just did not, did not work. It sounded stupid. But um, yeah, I mean, and, and Going forward, uh, Resident Evil is pretty bad, but that's you know that's kind of expected. Eh, but Resident does. Evil makes a ton of money. In fact, this last one made it cost what forty fifty million dollars to to make, and and they made almost four hundred million dollars in return as far as uh, you know worldwide because they do such a you know huge international base. And even though comparative to some of the other films, it didn't do quite as well financially. When you're leaving on your what seventh one. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, at least they got to close the series out. Oh, also, Pirates was pretty bad. But uh, to, I ask you, this is why they're they're talking about doing another six pack of Resident Evil because no matter how bad those movies are, people still yeah. And to me, that's a little bit different because Resident Evil series, it's it's almost like B movie entertainment. So you're almost not expecting something good to happen with King of King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. I was expecting something pretty good. I was expecting something hopefully that would that would be that I could go ahead and say to to the fans and to the to listeners and to the critics out there that pan the movie that I stand behind my good friend Josh Peterson and I can tell you that King Arthur Legend Sword is a truly great movie. And then I watched the film, and unfortunately, I am with you those critics and the fans. But you're wrong, so that's okay. <laughs> but I'm wrong. But I'm wrong. <laughs> but I digress. But yeah, but, yeah. So I think it's interesting with Resident Evil. We're we're kind of at the cusp, at the the edge, the ending chapter of this uh, obsession that society has with like, oh, hey, zombies are cool. Let's uh, let's turn zombies into a pop culture phenomenon. Like even fans of The Walking Dead and critics who have been following The Walking Dead are like. You know, I, I like The Walking Dead, but I really want it to end. So I think that, you know, having more Resident Evil movies is going to be a great idea or a terrible idea, but we're nearing the end of the zombie interest. Pretty soon it's going to be something else, I imagine. Well, I would like to see them have a cure on The Walking Dead. That's all, all, all I'll say. I'm I'm one of those fans of The Walking Dead that shows up when it gets good and when the series doesn't stay good, like, parts of this year uh, i'll just tune it out and just you know wake me up when it's when it gets good again because that's to, for for me there are years season there, there are seasons which are really good with the walking dead then there are seasons that that 
make you question why you're a fan and definitely with what I, I think everybody was excited to see Negan when it comes to the walking dead, but the way, and, and I'm not going to kid you on the, the portrayal of Negan himself as best you can do without the swearing. It, it's very good, but there's just, he, he just over envelops the entire thing where it's just, I don't know. I just, I think everybody was that was watching was so drained after, especially after that first episode. It's just, I think it just was down all downhill from there. And it's going to take a while to revive that series because they still do the ratings. And so if you're still doing the ratings, you know, you got to keep that show in the air, but that's, that's beside the point on that. But yeah, definitely some, some really, some really, uh, uh, when you're watching a movie that, that really just, you want to get better and you hope to get better pretty much, uh, you know, the entire way. And it doesn't, that's one of the most deflating things for you because you realize you want to sit down and watch it for entertainment and you want to enjoy, relax and really have uh, a way to escape. And when you don't get a chance to, because you're so preoccupied with such the, the junk that's thrown out on the screen, like I saw in black hat, like I saw in, in the great wall. And uh, like I saw, <laughs> King Arthur, uh, Legend of Sword. Um, yeah, it, it's very discouraging indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on watching films of recent recent note that maybe struck a chord with you in a negative fashion? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. And the reason why I didn't say Humanic Media, because if you send nasty thoughts about king arthur legend of the sword to humanic media you might not like the response that you get back because you're wrong because you're wrong <laughs> that should be a nice t-shirt king arthur legend of the sword because you're wrong indeed so we're, we're, we're working on it we're working on it okay fair enough all righty uh well that's going to do it for our show this time but we truly appreciate you listening so for josh peterson this is gerald glassford it's another beautiful day in paradise here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentFoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to episode 7 of What About This? Um, the topic for this week is shame. This topic came about because I'm about to be a father in about 6 months or so. Uh, the countdown is on and I'm kind of terrified. Um, and that's an understatement. Um, and so I, I wanted to, I was starting to think about how I wanted to raise my kid. And um, I, I just recognized that a lot of how parenting comes about is through shame. And so we use this as a jumping off point to get into where shame comes from and what shame is about and why shame exists. So we, we hit on some topics, um, 
some things like embarrassment and, and how we feel um, and how we project that onto other people. Um, how shame is really kind of the opposite of vulnerability and courage and how we want to, to, to look at how we can use vulnerability and courage to sort of help people in their shame. We, we ultimately kind of get back to this, this notion that we think shame comes from some of the early Genesis accounts like Genesis in like Genesis 3 and we talk about that a little bit but then Ryan takes us back a little bit further and sees how that's not the starting point the starting point is the first couple chapters of Genesis and how we need to understand the truth of what those chapters say about how we are um, how God looked at us and saw us as good and then we move forward from there and how that can help us under, uh, overcome shame um, we also look at how ultimately shame is just about kind of feeling comfortable in your own skin not having a, a uh, too high of a health, the health uh, self-esteem or too low of a self-esteem, but sort of a proper understanding of who you are, um, and that we want to be able to begin to cultivate environments where people can be not who other people want them to be, but who um, they're they're supposed to be, um, and who who their true self needs to be. So um, we're really excited about this episode. So we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, follow us on all all the various social media outlets. So, like, I think we're at wat underscore podcast on Twitter. Follow us and like our page on Facebook, um, and then also follow Humanity Media because they, they they post all of our stuff as well. So, again, we'd love to be in conversation with you all. So, uh, we hope you enjoy this episode. to the pop culture cosmos today where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies tv video games comic books technology board gaming and more you'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well so come on and join us each week as we delve into the pop culture cosmos welcome to the pop culture cosmos Today we're going to talk about shame, and we're going to talk about it in, in a couple different ways. Um, the way that I, I've been thinking about this, because um, I'm going to be a new dad in October, Amen. and I've been thinking about how I want to parent, and I've been thinking about how we as a society tend to parent, and, and I'll, I'll use one sort of example, and, and I'm sure everybody's either experienced this or something like this, um, So, and I forget where I hear this, I heard this, so if it's your story... <coughs> And you know, you heard it. I heard it from you. I apologize. Um, but so it's a it's a father, and his son is just getting to that age where he's starting to realize that his body is different, right? So he has a penis, right? So mm-hmm. and he's starting to explore it. And little boys, they do they, just because they they don't know any better. And so the little boy starts to sort of explore, play with his himself, and the father slapped the kid's hand away from his 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 private area and yelled. Yelled no in the kid's face. So just slap no like a like a dog, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and I'm just thinking in my head like immediate complex. That kid is never going to have a healthy relationship with his penis ever again. Yes, because <laughs> because it's just she's just going to be ashamed of it the rest of his life. 
<laughs> so my question is like that, and that's and that's just one example. We do it all the time. Where, where, where a lot of our parenting is based in shame, and I'm not blaming parents. I think it's natural. I think there's a lot of stuff that we need to talk about, but that's sort of what I wanted to talk about: is why do we use shame to to sort of raise? And, and again, for my own life, I, there are various moments I can think back. And realize that part of the shame I have as an adult comes from these specific. Well, and, and, it's, and I'm not blaming anything. And to make like a anybody. disclaimer is is there, there's no blaming going on as much as explaining. Going right, on. exactly. And so in that story, the moment that happened, he introduced shame into his son right. from the most important voice with his mother. Right, mm-hmm. the most important voices mm-hmm. in his life. In which he's learning, he's figuring out how to be human. And so, so in that moment, he introduces shame into his son's life before anything else because there's going to be enough shame outside of the home. <laughs> and he just goes, inside of here, be ashamed. Well, but even, I would say like, maybe even say it was in the public. So I'm, I'm putting myself in the situation. Same in the grocery store. If I have a boy, I don't know yet. Um, but I have a boy and, and my, my little son just drops his pants and starts playing with himself. Like... I might do that because I'm going to be so embarrassed that that's happening in mm. public. My son doesn't. My son wouldn't know any better because he doesn't get the social like yeah. convention of not playing with yourself in public. But me as the parent, I'm going to be so embarrassed and ashamed of, my, ashamed of myself that I'm going to do that. So I'm not even saying I would be better than that. I'm which just is, saying like that's which what is, about where that, that? Which yeah. is where does that come from? Which is which we just is, got to another step here. Yeah. So we go. We keep going, yeah. and it goes back to not blaming our parents or parenting as much as generations of. Be- Parents being taught by parents, being taught by right. parents, and mm-hmm. passing down, is, and this shame culture continues to perpetuate. Is it a subconscious thing, though, or is it something that we actually witness our parents doing, and then we're like, okay, that I think, would be the proper way to I, do it? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think what we're getting at here is um, that, and parenting is just a simple example of this happens yeah. in, in every uh, social interaction, but... It's almost like wounded people wound people, mm-hmm. right? So, so people who have shame, a lot of shame that they're carrying around, which is all of us to an extent, yes, uh, project that shame on, onto other people. So the, the parenting style of, of yeah. shame just mm-hmm. shows what that that you've got your own shame things. That right, exactly. Out, right? Well, I'm gonna I, and I'm gonna definitely be uh, poorly quoting Brene Brown this whole <laughs> podcast. Perfect. But to answer Josh's question is. Actually, the research shows that we we learn shame from our parents. And so as we're learning to be human growing up from the time we uh, exit the womb, if you will, is when we see our parents shaming themselves, mm. we are learning how to see ourselves the way they see themselves. Mm. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so she would say is yes we do live in a shame-based culture we all deal with shame but like ryan said it's not just in the home it's in the classroom it's on the field it's Mm. it's 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 everywhere it's i mean you uh, everyone's had that that teacher that when they say like there's no wrong answers or feel free and then you say and they condescendingly rebuttal Uh, you have those teachers i can't stand those teachers the teachers that 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 you actually feel safe you, you, you feel free to be yeah. vulnerable in yeah. the classroom, right. but you're already, at especially, you know, there's a difference between a first grade classroom and, right. a, and, a, and a classroom in college. Right. And you have all these insecure people walking around because they're so afraid, and there's a fear element here with the shame. 
I'm afraid in, in the right. grocery store to see my kid drop his pants and what are people going to think of me? Right. Once again, we're worried, yeah. we're consumed with how will I be presented to the public? What kind of parent has a child who would drop his pants? Every parent does yeah. who has a four-year-old because they're going, woohoo, you know, and they don't, they don't <laughs> care because yeah. they're, they're not socially aware. Right. And so we have these crazy expectations mm-hmm. on children in which they're just the victims. Yeah. They're the victims in our insecure society. Right, and so yeah. so you get it. You get in the classroom, and the kid goes, "All right, all right, I'm going to be vulnerable. Meaning, I'm going to be as Brene Brown says. There's no such thing as vulnerability without courage. And in any example of courage, you have to be vulnerable. Yeah. And she she speaks to um, uh, a military, and a courageous act always is always has the layer of vulnerability. You're exposing yourself." You're putting yourself out there. Think about think about the shame of going and asking someone to asking someone to a dance or to, to coffee or a slice of pie if you grew up in the fifties, right? <laughs> is, is man, you are you're putting yourself out there, and then when you get rejected, you mm-hmm. feel less than, though you shouldn't feel less than. There you we just, go. So so where the question is, no one would disagree that shame is present everywhere. Even even as we talk about this topic, there's like a shame about talking about shame. <laughs> yeah, involved, right. right. So the question is, and Trav, you're getting to it, is like why? Where where did this shame right. if we, if if we can trace it back, like why is our culture so um, why does everyone feel so ashamed all the time of, of, mm-hmm. about everything that's going on? So I think that's that's kind of our starting point. Which is why we're today. constantly performing, right? Right. Yes. Yes. So those performance are just a symptom of feeling ashamed. Right. So my question is, where does that shame come from? Yeah. I, well, I mean, if, if we, <laughs> I guess I'll just go there is if we're going to go from the Christian worldview, mm-hmm. yeah. we go the shame of, of hide, right? The secret, Adam, right? Yeah. 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 The whole, Fallen the garden, the fall in this. And ever since then we have been what? Hiding behind our right. mistakes, yeah, right. hiding behind the lack of what we perceive as perfection, and so yeah. perfectionism is illusory. Well, it's it's yeah. you can't not you cannot achieve that, yeah. and so even the person that is suffering from perfectionism is what are they doing? They are trying to build a wall or mm-hmm. a you know a facade, and so that you cannot see. Mm-hmm. The truth about who they are, because they're afraid of who they are, yeah. and and she would even argue that um, we actually are the biggest shamers in our own lives. Yeah, right. I, I would wonder even in the, so I think in the, if you're looking at the Genesis account, we would obviously point to the moment where um, Adam and Eve recognize their nakedness, right, and they yeah. start to cover themselves up. But I wonder if you would even push it back one step further to where the deceiver, the serpent, says, you don't know enough. Right. This, this tree represents what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And Eve and Adam standing right extra were like, I don't? Like, I don't know enough? Like, What is that? And then, that so, pride. so this pride, is, yeah. it's this pride, it's this idea of, I think there's something that, that, that we believe, we start to believe this lie about ourselves and we take that lie to be true. So it's not even that we, um, we, Okay, so keep going with that. We take yeah. that lie to be true. Therefore, right. what do we do? So we, so if we're going to believe the lie, we will do anything to circumvent the lie. Yes, yes. right. And so yes. that's so they that's ate the they... apple, even though they knew right. 
Eric that that wasn't going to help. That wasn't really the point, right? Or well, or, I mean, Eric then, Mason said. Doctor Eric Mason says this. He said, "Did they fully understand the gravity of the decision that they made?" But that is irrelevant to your point. Right. Of exactly. Going so go back to your point. What you were saying about the I I don't I don't know. Right. Is it is this our perception, like other people's perception of us? That's well, that was we the first time. Things. I would say if you look at it, it's the first time that either mm-hmm. Adam or Eve. Heard, like, listened to a voice about themselves that was not based in truth. Not only a voice, a lie. Right. right. But that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. So, so yeah. it's the yeah. first time. So, before that, we don't have much account in the Genesis account, right? So, meaning before that, like, what their interaction with God was like. But we can imagine that they... That was pretty good. That was pretty right. good. It was healthy. Yeah. It was... God was telling them about themselves. Yes. And the minute they listened to someone else yeah. tell them who they were, yeah. that wasn't based in truth, wasn't the source of truth... Then they started to feel less than, to Ryan's point earlier. Yes. And right. shame finds root in less than thinking. Yes. 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 That's good. So, so eating the fruit. Right. Sowing the fig leaves together. Right. And then, of course, then it proceeds to, then your eyes are open to certain parts of you. Because, again, remember when yeah. God says, well, who told you that you were naked? Yeah. yeah. Right? It wasn't because he knew that they didn't know that they were naked on their own. Yeah. Yes. He said, who told you? That. So going back to raising kids, who told you that? Who who caused... I was at a buddy's house uh, and uh, we saw his son experience like an embarrassment and a shame. Mm. And I went, no, you're too little. Right. (laughs) You're too... Like, and no one shamed him. Right. No one shamed him. And it was just this weird... So then I kind of wonder, I'm like, man, is it just in the air? Right. (laughs) Like, Like, is it just... Because yeah. in, in fact, there was only an encouragement happening, right? And then we get put on, and then it's almost like this subconscious thing right. happening. And and if and if you want to even go biblical, you fast forward to Jesus and in in whom I am well pleased. You are my beloved, in whom I am well pleased, and He's yeah. done nothing in His ministry. And in that moment, Henry Nowen um, would say, right, is at the subconscious level and at the conscious level, we're always asking. Who am I? And he says, the problem is we constantly answer that question in a wrong way. And he says, it's the greatest spiritual task that we have. And he says, one of the most difficult thing to master is to live out of who we are, that we are enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, you just made an incredible point. So double back real quick. You're saying that, that Jesus, before he even started his ministry, yes. right? So... So before he fed all the people, before he healed mm-hmm. all the people, before yes. all of that, before he went to the cross, before all of that, the father looks at him and says, this is my son with who I am. Well, well please. This is my son in which you're enough simply because you exist. Yes. Therefore, he has the foundation of who he is. So he doesn't have to pose and to kind of Perform. C.S. Lewis, right? It's, yeah. Oh, I'm a good boy. Look at me. Look yeah. at me. And, and so you, you right. see him enter into that, and it's this idea of, I know who I am, and if I know who I am, and I'm okay with who I right. am, you cannot shame me, because you cannot take away the fact that I actually matter, that my existence is enough, not my performance. Right. And so all of a sudden, the reason we perform is because we have to prove to ourselves, really, uh, and, and then therefore, if mm-hmm. I can prove to myself and everyone, and I use you... Right. I use you, I project onto you so that I can get to my to myself and go, yes, you are enough, Travis. Yes. I, I love this because this plays into uh, really what it means to be a human. So if you're listening to this and you think, 
the Christian worldview is full of it, or even right. if you, you don't Absolutely. agree with the Adam and Eve yeah. account, or whatever, everybody understands as humans that um, there is something inside of us that feels like they're not enough. Mm-hmm. Feels like they have to achieve a certain amount of things in order to, to hit this like standard of peace or whatever, which by the way, never comes. And so right. we have to just keep adding and adding and adding. So what we're saying is the Adam and Eve account, it, it's, it's um, practical and it's good and makes a lot of sense to say, well, maybe this is our way of explaining when human beings went from being humans that could just be mm-hmm. right with each other, with, right. um, with the world, with God, with the creator, with whoever to, Oh shoot! I'm not enough, right. so I have to do, right. do, 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 do. So, be- so, so, go ahead. Because I think a lot of people, and especially for those of the listeners out there that may struggle with the Christian faith, or just may be outright against it, right? Yeah. Sure. What if you look at the Genesis account? The shame does not come from God, right? It comes from some internal dissonance huh. between what. Huh. You know to be true about yourself and what someone else has told you to be true about yes. yourself. Yes. So here's oh. what I, here's what I think is interesting is that shame eh, eh, So then why don't we accept it then, Keith? Well but let, let me just be completely transparent about this with, from our perspective from the Christian The church the Christian church historically has also not been good at this, right? Okay. Yeah. Much yeah. of our modern American shame, I will even say much of our modern American shame comes from the very strict Puritan tradition that started the country which we can get into later i just want to say that like yes let's even acknowledge that some of this does come from certain systems of power that were used to control let's even acknowledge that that's not necessarily the point ultimately because that they are they used a system that was already existing they used shame in people that people had anyway right so we can we can talk about the abuse of shame at another point or shame as a motivator or, or shame as a motivator whatever healthy. like we can talk about that but yeah. that so if you're if you're sort of yelling at the at your, whatever however you're listening to it, if you're yelling at the, the your radio or your don't phone, yell at your computer that's right. weird <laughs> if you're yelling that fine like we, we might we can probably talk about that at some point today but let's start with this what I just said that it is some sort of internal dissonance shame yes. is essentially yeah. this this tension between who you know yourself to be on some deep level and who you've been told you are, even if not directly, um, even if it's not, it's in the air. It's 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 to to trust when it is yeah. in the air a little bit. And 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 then so the question is though, even this dissonance about what is true about me, mm-hmm. or I know to be true about me, versus what you are projecting onto me, or whatever is going on, or I actually look out and I, I begin to compare myself um, to somebody who mm-hmm. I I esteem, and I go, I'm not that. I'm less than that. And you can even project that onto yourself, right? right? Is why do we? Is it because it via the Christian worldview is because uh, we're fallen and so we fall victim to believing lies yeah. about ourselves? And I, I guess like why do we? Why why do we accept it? Is it simply because we're well, fallen and, and we're prone to let, accepting that? Let me ask you a question though, because now you've got my mind thinking. Is uh, how many people are aware that they are ashamed? How many people see their shame as uh, unfulfillment based on society and their friends, what everybody else is doing, and they're like, man, I wish I could be doing that. And then we start, we market off of it. We make self-help books. We have these oh. like philosophy posters, and it's like, how many people are truly aware of their no shame? One. I'm going to say something yeah. that's probably going to be to ruffle some feathers out there. 
maybe even in, on a side that a, a different sort of audience that I just addressed a few minutes ago. Um, I think of much of modern capitalism is based on shame. Mm. It it absolutely right. It absolutely right. I mean, and I, meaning nobody's aware of the right. Shame I don't think anybody's aware. But so like, it, when, why? When why? Because so, this. It, what is? What is? What is? What is? What is it? What is? How do they market? So like, you don't have you don't have this and you're yeah. not and you're not and as if good. you don't have you okay, less so, than. so right. yeah. Brene Brown says this is shame promotes the fear of unworthiness of never being right. enough nor being worthy of having enough that's so right. good so, so you, shame so you promotes see like, fear you see the commercial with the lady washing the dishes with the certain soap and you go oh I'm, I'm not enough until My, I have that not only that it's even worse than that <laughs> it's not even worse than that it's soap shame you know what's even, you know what's even <laughs> weirder is like in, in your mind then in your mind you think here's what that message is really telling you your dishes are dirty yeah you're dirty you <laughs> Right, uh, which some people are like, if my dishes are dirty, level, yeah. I am dirty. I am not as good. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, dirty dishes. Like, who so, cares? So now, it's so fine. now you see this. You now you, you see this in parenting, even, right. and you go, it's the embarrassed parent, the parent right. that is explaining their wild child or their crazy. And what we do is, and, and I, I hate this, and 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 I am a father now, um, so you know, our kids yeah. can hang out, man. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think about this is I. I cannot stand, and I understand, but I cannot stand when I was like, oh, this is Johnny. He's my wild one. Yeah. You just named him. Right. This is, Su- <laughs> this is Susie. He, she's my shy one. She's or, timid. She, yeah, she, or she's rambunctious, and you're like, <laughs> so here's, like, here's what I would say. I thought she was Susie. <laughs> right. Which is it? So here's what I would find interesting about this, because this is where you do get into some really interesting territory with parenting, especially, which is kind of where we started, is how do you... Um, Learn, get to know your kid, and get to know and know the personality and ins and outs and the subtleties yeah. and all that without naming them and sort of boxing them in. Because naturally, you're going to notice, oh, this one, this this kid, my kid, you know, Susie is a little shy. Yeah. I'm not saying you introduce her as like the shy one, but <laughs> but how do you do that? Because there is going to be some, and I think this is where it becomes much more. Difficult as a parent because, yeah. and this is why I would never, I don't want to blame parents, or because again, well, I'm, no, gonna, we're I'm gonna make this, I'm yeah. gonna, make, I'm just gonna say this, I'll say it, and it's gonna be on the record, and people can play this back to me 20 years from now when my kids are wreck. <laughs> Hopefully not, <laughs> but you heard it. I'm first. gonna make mistakes. Absolutely, my kid will have some sort of shame, probably as a direct result of something I do. Yes, right. So let's just say that. Right. But how do you sort of get to know your kid and talk to your child about like who they are without? Introducing these very specific things because I'll tell you this: um, last weekend we were up at the we were uh, at a men's retreat and I was sharing my my story and a lot of my identity growing up was in being the smart one. Yeah. So so let's talk about that, right? Yeah. So so what you were saying is it's not necessarily a negative right. description as much as a positive description, and and so you go, little Johnny smart, little Susie smart, and they go, I'm smart. I have to live up to smart, right? And so what ends up happening is, is I, I hate this. You're, uh, you know, I hear parents, you know, he's better than that. And I go, maybe he's not. And that's okay. And that's okay. Right. And so when you learn, your, here's my whole deal is, you know, even in marriages, you gotta, you gotta commit to getting a doctorate in your spouse, right? And so is we have a lack of interested humans on mm. this planet, and in a digital age, in an age of media. We are losing our spirit and losing our soul. And Sherry Turkle speaks about this a lot, social psychologist, I believe, in that what 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 media, what technology has actually done is the converse of what it, it what it what it 
set out to do is to free us up to be creative and to think. And it's killing our creativity. Right. And it's also killing our interest in others. Right. Then you have the Western individualistic kind of narrative that it's you, like, right, Keith, you talk about how the, the literature even and everything around it is you become the hero in your own story. Right. So I'm very disinterested in people now because of that. Now I gotta take ownership. And you're saying, how does a parent take ownership of knowing, I know this, I know I'm gonna screw my kid up on some regard, but that shouldn't stop us from going, I'm not going to, I'm gonna do everything right. that I can. Right. And so instead of me going, oh, someone's gonna play football, and I go, but he can't throw, catch or run. He's 5'2". Yeah. Like, what, that's not yeah. gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. and, and Sorry, he goes, yeah, I know, man, I'm working on it. <laughs> um, I'm a late bloomer. And, and I go, what if he's good at chess? That's good. Right. And because yeah. we're not interested in others, right. we're only interested in ourselves. What ends up happening is you have parents that are disinterested in their kids because they like, you know, reading versus the pigskin, you know? Yes. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a problem. Right. Because you can't have a right. bunch of CEOs. So stop trying to make your kids something that they don't need to be. Yeah, right. Start investing in the person so, that they are and learn who they are. And then you encourage. Right. And, put, and then sometimes you're going to have to encourage and One push and, right. and put your foot down, but not shame them into right. it and say, if you don't, how many families out there have the kid that were like, well, we expect that from them. But we don't, don't expect, expect that from the, from the younger, other one the younger because siblings. He's never, right. I go, no, he's just too smart that he never got good grades because he, he saw his older sibling get reamed yeah. right. for not ma- reaching their goals. And you go, Steve is good too, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's smart too. He can get the grades. He just learned the system. Right. And so now he doesn't have to live well, up to your only, outlandish expectations. Not only this, and this is something that we've talked, I've talked about with I think, each of the guys here on, in, on different occasions about, because again, I'm in higher education. And I think the higher education system is broken, to put it lightly. Um, so a lot of it, like, so we're pigeonholing these because I have kids regularly in my class that don't need to be in my class. And not because they're not smart enough to pass my class. Yeah. The, the talent that they have is not in analyzing the Pilgrim's Progress. <laughs> yeah. And it yeah. doesn't need to be. Yeah. Right. Good. So, so yeah. why, why am I, why am I, and this is even something I've had to question myself. Like, why am I participating in a system yeah. that I'm going to say does detriment to some of these students because they are forced to be in a system that doesn't produce excellence in them? Right. They're forced to fit into this this certain structure that they don't thrive in, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so, and so they feel bad about themselves. Right. right, so they feel bad right. that they can't pass my class or they don't do well in my class, mm-hmm. and I just want to take them aside and say, "It's fine. Like, I, it, you are not less to me because you don't do well in my class." Well, this gets back to us learning what we're good at and what we're not good at, right. and that doesn't make me less of right. a person, and it actually frees me up to be who I am. Right. And you're tapping into something great, and, you, and you're talking about the the. You're actually really, and I just read this book, most likely uh, to succeed, and it talks about the history of education. Right. And it's not so much that even the way education is today. And I know that I know you're you're walking the fine line, but is is we haven't caught up to what's happening right. in culture and society as a whole. Right. So our education system was once built for a time that right. it was important and now we're we're, we're trying right. to play catch up yeah. and we can get into the big business right. of it but but aside from that is let's just go at it is it's not as effective right because of 
where culture society is taking us mm-hmm. via technology and whatever. And so we, we're behind in how, in creating and cultivating environments for our children mm-hmm. to be to be capable of, yeah. of cre- creativity. And, 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 not, and I don't want to get into yeah. too much because I hope to do a future episode we'll do a whole on, on, like, higher, yeah, on education absolutely. systems and all that. So I don't yeah, want to spend yeah. too much time on this. But I do think it's interesting that that – it doesn't – because I think – we, I, I was thinking about this originally in terms of parenting, especially young kids, but it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop when they hit 10 or no. 5 or 15. Yeah. Like, even if I'm not the one doing it, it's still a system that they have to do. It's still a thing they have to deal with, this idea of shame and being... So, anyway. Um, yeah. So, this... I wanted to go back to a point. Your, your point, you were talking about lack of interested people. Yeah. Well, I, I think when we get into it is... is um, I, I see this all the time working with the high schoolers is the comparison trap, right? Mm-hmm. They call, we're constantly comparing ourselves and whether we're, we're being compared to our siblings, maybe, right? right. Let's right. just say, let's just, yeah. we'll, we'll attack everything. Yeah. You're, you're being compared to your classmates and you're like, dude, I'm just not good at math. Right. And so in our society, we go, oh man. And then you have this one kid, right? I remember <laughs> I, was, I was dating someone who had a friend who just never got less than an A. Just book smart. Found out I was a kinesiology major and said, "Oh, he's he's gonna he, he's he's gonna be a psychic." And I said, "Oh my gosh, oh, oh my gosh!" So what? What? Even getting into education, Keith just took off his glasses, and and so and so yes, I know. I took my invisible ones off too. I was like, "Yo, what?" And so I went, "Wait, who's who's smart here?" Right, because yeah. you learn textbook, or so we're different people. Yeah, right. And it's and it's letting that book smart person know that they're not so great at other things, and that's okay. But right. in that realm, they look down on people because they can't get straight. And so this is part. But of the, the reason right. that they're looking down on people is because they're scared to death because they know that they're not right. good at that other stuff. So yes. they're right. It's they're a defense mechanism of against that. It. It's a defense yeah. mechanism. So if we could get to the point to to Keith's point where. Um, that person that shouldn't be reading Pilgrim's Progress with him can know that that person's really good at lots of other things that Keith right. isn't good at. Right. Why? Which is why he's leading this lecture on Pilgrim's Progress. <laughs> right. And exactly. it doesn't make either of you better than the other. It's just who you no. are. So be that. Right. Yeah. Then I feel like the shame would start to be able to start to yeah. strip back these layers of shame and start right. to become who we. Who so we are. so so shame obviously it's a, it promotes a fear of never being enough, right? Is right. to quote Brené Brown, shame promotes a fear of never being enough. I think it's a byproduct of of not knowing that you're ever enough. Well, absolutely, but but the shame in and of itself is her argument is what promotes a when, fear. Right. It okay. Promotes yeah. The, fear. the feeling of so it. So we have So I, what I get at is I go, I go, ever since a child is born, he constantly, and don't get offended because I'm going to use the father figure, but it's look daddy, look daddy, look daddy, look daddy. Right. And we continue to say, look daddy, look daddy, look daddy. It's a concept, right? Right. Yeah. We're doing it in our careers. In, in, we do it in our relationships. Look, babe. Look, yeah. sweetie. Look what I did. Look, coworker. Look, boss. Look, society. Look, neighbor. I got the boat. Look, look, Steve. Come yeah. over. And we want, we want to be the because we want to be on top, and but we want to be more than. On another level, though, do you think the people that they're saying, "Hey, look, daddy, look, boss," that they, the people they're saying that to, want that? They're like, want what? Oh, oh they, well, they I want, think they're like, yes, this guy wants my here's, approval. So here's I'm, why I, which think, is another form. But of I would say, that. here's why I think that's the case because, okay, so. Uh, you, you do a good job. You want your boss to just tell you do, you did a good job. The boss wants to have that because he wants to, to be able to say, 
my to to use like a weird term, my bosshood instead of my personhood, my bosshood yeah. is important right. because if I'm not the boss, yeah. then I'm not as good. So, so my position has to mean something. So I need my underlings, I need my subordinates to look to me for approval because if they don't, then it's an empty system. That's good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so, it, so it, both it, both pieces of the puzzle right. are rooted in shame. Right. And Absolutely. that's what's causing yeah. this. Which this is a issue. great which is a great a great question, right? Josh is is yes. Right. So it's it's a it's a vicious cycle. Yes. And and even you know you have I have yeah. kids breaking down over they feel like if they don't want to go to the next level of sports right. that they're less than because there has been coaches who are like well you want to go D one bro and you're like no I just want to play high school okay. <laughs> is, that, is that okay just because you didn't make it yeah right. yes and, and and so then you have parents living through their children right. and they're obsessed with something yes. and it goes back to even these these things about like dude and kids feel. Kids right. feel when their parent, when their parent's not fired up about what they're doing. And right. I would say, why aren't you fired about what your kid's doing? Because you're just fired up about your kid. Right. Right. Yeah. And so and so this fear of yeah. that 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 you know shame promotes fear. And so she gets into vulnerability, and she says vulnerability is neither good or bad. But I, I believe if I'm, if, if I'm remembering right, is it is the means through which we're able to uh, what we're able to put ourselves out there. And be exposed to criticism and to failure. Right. And so I, I, I make myself vulnerable. It's not a vulnerability, but see, vulnerability right. is defining our society's weakness. Right. And it's not a good or a bad thing. It's a thing thing. Right. Yeah. It's, it's neutral. Yeah. It's a thing that allows you to feel everything, right. to experience everything yeah. in its fullness and say, and live this wholehearted living, I think right. is to borrow her term again, is this uh, shout out to Brendan Brown, is, right. is being able to accept failure and not attach it to your identity. Tim Keller's book on the uh, freedom of self-forgetfulness is, yeah. is the best book ever. And so, <laughs> and I, I need to read it every so often to remind myself that I'm both enough and that I'm super egocentric. <laughs> and, and going, the reason I have an ego and I need to keep feeling the ego, as he borrows from the scriptures of Paul, yeah. is the reason I need to fill my ego is because it's empty. Or my ego is filled up or it's, 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 it's overinflated. It's like a balloon. And he says, Paul says it needs to be filled up right. by Jesus. Right. So for the, the Christian audience or even, but it's, is if it's filled up by anything, that can be taken away from you. Right. It's crushing, you know, and there's this beautiful quote by Madonna and, and Keller goes, you guys think that she's this narcissistic nut and he goes, no, she just knows herself better than you. She talked right. about how she's never going to be enough. She She's realized through all of her accomplishments, through all of her things right. that, that it's never going to be enough. And Keller goes, you look at that and you go, gosh, are you kidding me? And, and he's making the point that, no, she's just way more self-aware right. than the rest of us because that's the exact same place that the rest of us are trying to get to. She just had enough life experience to get there sooner than a lot of people are able to get meditation. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and yeah. she does. She says she basically, she, 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 she fills the cupboard up every night, right? She goes and she has this epic performance. And you have 20 million people screaming your name and worshiping you. Yeah. And the next day... You have to go do it again because you need the applause <laughs> right. because you don't believe you're enough. And right there, what's she doing? She's she's shaming herself. Right. You see, and so that this is her point: yeah. is it, there's a constant shame from the outside that you accept, and then you begin to be your number one shamer. Yeah, uh, it's weird too because when we become 
aware of this like yeah. where it's almost already too late for us to make a change because mm-hmm. like you guys said it all starts back as uh, you know where our parents start raising us like okay they, yeah it, it's so hard as an adult to change your mindset like yeah, you can right. read these books you can watch videos of people saying hey do this but it's so difficult to like you know that's turn, good. turn that off so let's talk about this a little so that's bit. the that's that's what what one person calls the inner voices that we have from a child right okay so so how do we start to change that narrative that we've believed about ourselves for <laughs> 20, 30, 40, 50, however, however many years, how do we, once we see it, and if you're listening to this, maybe for the first time you're going, oh, that's why like, I do that. <laughs> that's why, that's why I do that. What do we do with shame um, now that we can identify it, now that, now that we can see it, how do we start to get rid of it? So, so, so I'll just set it off as simple as this is, and, and I, I totally agree with this, is to understand it. Mm-hmm. And then to articulate or verbalize, and and that is what Brene Brown says right. is the key to undoing or to getting rid of yes. the shame. Because you go, so many people know my story, but is I was abandoned at six months old by my father, mm-hmm. and thank God for mothers out there who are consistent, right, <laughs> and stick mm-hmm. around. And so what I didn't realize, well, we, mm-hmm. we don't, like Josh said, we don't realize these things. They just become a part of who we are. Right. Yeah. And so I realized around the age 21, and it's funny because my mom would say, like, you're such a happy kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, what happened? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, 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 and what was that? It was the anger was a mask for her. Right. And so I grew up feeling never enough because... There's something I think within both a mother and a father, and in my in my just in my personal research. So don't take this out. Don't go freak out about this. In my personal research, there's something about a father in in a daughter and a son's life that man just does something the same way. Mothers have this incredible thing about them in different stages right. of life that a, a, a man, a father, right. cannot do. Right. And so this is something I think that a father, a, a, a man, just has a, a, an innate quality. And so I've never been, that was an inner voice, dude. You're not enough. And, yeah. and I didn't have that guy spurring me on. I had a mom doing it, but, but I didn't have this, I didn't, that in and of itself. And I finally figured this out in my early 20s ago. Oh, and then I started to see, I project onto you. I make you in my relationships. I'm like, do you, do you love me? Am I enough? And it right. really boils yeah. in up. But so Ryan, you're going, so how do we get around this? Well, I had to finally realize I did have a daddy issue. Whereas, you know what I used to say growing up? I don't need a dad. Everybody needs a dad. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so what why did I say that? Yeah, right. Why did I say my mom is like a dad mom and a dad, which is actually weird and impossible. <laughs> my mom is not like a mom and a dad. She's like a mom, like a mom without yeah. a husband to help raise me. Yeah. And right. so I had to be honest about that pain, which we live in a society we're not good about that, and that's a vulnerable it's a vulnerable element. Right. In my life, that I had to come to this place of vulnerability, where I had to say, "I wish I had a dad." So, so here's I want to one of the ways, and again, so remember earlier when I said those people who are anti-Christian, yes, this is might be where you might latch onto something, but I want you to hang on with us and, and not turn off after I say this and say we won, um, because I think there's something in <laughs> some of the some of the way the Christian Church today approaches one of the theological concepts of of original sin. Because there's a way to teach that that produces more shame, right? Because essentially what the the product, what the the theology of the doctrine of original sin essentially says, 
all humans are bad. Yes. Right? Immediately we can think, yeah, yeah, we know where shame can come from. So my question isn't, isn't we need to, like, I'm not saying we need to throw that out. My question is, how does the church teach us about ourselves? Because there is a real truth there, that there is something about we fall short of our own expectations all the time, right? Or we fall short. So there's a real truth about humanity there. But how do we do that without producing this deep-seated shame? And getting rid of the fact that, yes, we are uh, fallen. Right. And I'm going to throw it to Ryan because we talk <laughs> about this all the time. And we this, talk about I was, this is, I was setting this up on a tee for Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I was just... I am too, and I'm not saying it. I'm just like, please... Please get into it. Because, uh, Ryan, and I'll just be honest, I've heard you talk about this, and it's yeah. actually helped me a lot yeah. in, over my last two years of the journey. Based on how things. do we how do we get out of shame, right? Yeah, and it's all just me <laughs> trying to deal with my own stuff, right? Um, but it is something I'm passionate about, and I, I think as a starting point, we need to start the story from the beginning, mm-hmm. right? So... Um, Josh, you're a Harry Potter fan, yeah. right? Yeah. If you would have picked up uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and skipped uh, the first chapter and the second chapter uh, about the boy who lived and then just jumped straight into the story, you wouldn't have uh, you wouldn't be able to make a whole lot of sense about who uh, this... The, the whole resolution wouldn't have mean, meant as much had I not read those right. two chapters. Right, and, and so I think sometimes we approach the Bible the same way where in, in Genesis chapter 3... Um, Adam and Eve take the fruit and they, they eat it and, and they sin and that's where the guilt and the shame enter in and that's where we would say we've inherited Adam's sin, original sin um, which I agree with we have inherited this sin and, and the shame the guilt is, is everywhere, however <laughs> if you go back to the first chapter and the second chapter and you read it it's about a God who creates this incredible universe and, and this world and he calls it good and then he creates the animals and he blesses them and he tells them to be fruitful and multiply and he calls them good and then he creates human beings in his image this is genesis 1 26 27 28 it says hey go be fruitful multiply fill the earth subdue it have dominion over it and he goes this is good in fact he goes this is really really good yes so before the fall, before shame entered the picture, before sin came, before everything broke, God looks down on us and he goes, I didn't mess up. Yes. Right? Uh, this is this is good. So, so I would say that uh, underneath all the layers of of sin and brokenness and shame that that even comes with birth, we have to get back to understanding that humans are actually good. Mm. Humans are, are good. Now, this rocks the boat in right. a theological circle, so go ahead. So what I was going to say is I think that's where Keller's book, self, the art, Freedom, Freedom, Freedom of self This is actually brilliant because what he's, he's saying is you have to forget yourself. Yes. But in an essence, and I, don't, I haven't read it, so tell me if I'm off, but in an essence, underneath that, you have to not just forget yourself, but at the same time, you have to remember a deeper self. So Right? You have to remember that. You have to remember the pre-fallen relationship with God, right? Now, it doesn't mean you throw out the, this idea that, that we do exist in a, in a broken world. You say like, oh, there is a part of me that was that was deeper than my shame, that is truer than my shame, 
that that connects with God, right? Well, he's he, he okay, well in, in the book he's talking about the condition of the human ego, right? And he basically says this is that you can't hurt my feelings. He says you hurt my ego, right? And he says we live in a society that basically uh, promotes high self esteem, right? But high self esteem is actually over the course of humanity is the mainly the root of all evil is to esteem oneself. And so he says low self-esteem can promote that as well. I would say it's actually the same thing as low self-esteem it's, in some sense. Yes. And not the exact, but like... Well, it, it, well, it's, what he's saying is that low self-esteem is actually better almost than high self-esteem. Mm-hmm. But we've grown up in the last 30 years where a mom drives down the street with my son's in on the honor roll, right? right? And 30, 40 years ago, people were like, that lady's nuts. Right. Because that that's not healthy. Right. And so... So now what, what happens is he said, okay, you do have an ego. That's true. It needs to be filled up. Right. And so he says, Paul, he's in essence saying, Paul is saying, I don't care what you think about me. Right. But I also really don't care what I think about right. me. Right. And I take that a step further and I say, no, at the end of the day, it's only I care what I think about me because if I didn't care what I think about me, I wouldn't care what you think about me. And so at the end of the day, it's me focused on myself, whether that if you want to argue with me or not is irrelevant. That's I'm just saying I take a step further and say at the core of it is I'm so concerned. And what he's saying is he's saying more so you do have an ego. It needs to be filled up with Jesus. So there's no room for me to attach what you think about me or what I think about my failures or successes and make that my identity. Rather, my identity is in I am well-pleased. You are my son in whom I am well-pleased. So if You have to to forget the self that is defined by other people. Exactly. And you have to remember the self that is defined by Christ in this case. This is exactly his point. And so I'm a Thomas Merton and Henry Nowen junkie. And I think it's Thomas Merton who coined these phrases, which is what Ryan and you are... talking about is the true self versus the false self right and our false self leads us to performing right and all we're doing when we're performing is is what we're trying to do is we're trying to mask the shame that we bestowed upon ourselves or that was bestowed upon us and that's that's why i think high high like high self-esteem is actually just low self-esteem masked in something else because like this projection of I I love like and, and there may be people who generally be like I I see myself as this huge like this this big this this grand this this important person I think that's just a mask to say like I really feel like terrible about myself but I'm going to show you when uh, I feel better about myself yeah yeah I think I I think you're kind of hitting it on the head is it's it's kind of one and the same right but but there is a slight difference right. the, the difference yeah. is Hitler esteemed himself right. Because he went, I deserve. So, so right. the, the the guy who beats his wife mm-hmm. probably has high self esteem. We go, no, there's no way. And you're like, no, no, no. He esteems himself. Yes. In high regard, he holds himself in high regard. But, but I would say, so I I agree with you because I would say <laughs> that high and low self esteem are both just one the false self. Right. Yes. Oh, that's okay. what I would yeah, say. Absolutely. So, yeah. so yeah, that's that's genius. Yes. So, so yeah. then so, to get back to to Chad's point, like ten minutes ago. Um, yeah, weird that the four of us would get on rabbit trails. <laughs> um, the answer then to to how do you get rid of the false self or, or how, shame do you, how, do, how do you start right. to take that, that shame away, I think is doing exactly what we're doing, is having conversations mm-hmm. and, and yeah. having dialogue and, and being open and honest about right. things yeah. because you say it and, and then you go, oh, like they're still here. 
You know, yeah. like, like they're yeah. still yeah. listening yeah. to me. There, there's this lie underneath right. shame that, yes. that says yeah. never, never, never talk about it. That shame is wrong, and so push it down. And so right. it's this this never yeah. ending cycle that, yeah. that, that just keeps it down beneath the surface. How do you wage war on that? You talk about it, right? Yeah, you, yeah, and and I think you talk about it in the light of truth, and like you know, we've been kind of addressing both audiences or whatever, and mm. is there absolute truth, or whatever. But at the end of the day, we I, let's just for the sake of going, yeah, there is truth about who we are, and that we're right. enough. Right? Yeah. And, to, and to borrow Keller's phrases, our our deepest desire is to be fully known and fully loved, yeah. and so our fear comes in when we go. If they know me, they won't accept me. Right? They won't. They won't love me. They won't want to spend time with me. And I've learned in my own life and in the life of others, I've watched it, is the, the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. And when I, I make myself vulnerable in my marriage, right. my wife draws near to me. Right. And with friends, they go, whoa, you too. Or you go, it's an opportunity for two guys to go, you too? Yeah. And then all of a sudden we have this, right? Because we're, right. we're, 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 humans are, are shaped and wired for connectivity. Yeah. And that's what we desire even, you know, even on the spectrum of these extroverted, introverted kind of personalities. Mm-hmm. And we have this tendency, you, you and I were talking about this key, this, is to isolate. Right. And, yeah. and I think even that is like, uh, you know, that can be many different things. But at the end of the day is, Ryan, you're right, is we have to be, we have to create, we have to create right. circles, discussions to be able to talk about this. And to create environments and cultivate those environments for people to be vulnerable about their about who they are, right. about their dealing with. Well, and I'll say like, and this is just a little bit of the behind the scenes for those of you out there. It's like, so this this whole project started, this whole idea started years ago, and and I and I'll speak for myself, and you guys can chime in. But growing up, I would always have, I would always ask these strange questions or make these strange yeah. statements, and I would just get stares back at me. People <laughs> would just be like, "What are you talking about, Keith?" And then slowly, and I, I found some. And then I, about four or five years ago, about four years ago, mm-hmm. I started chatting with the four guys right here. And and I st- a light bulb clicked where I'd ask a question, and instead of getting a stare back, I would get this look at the like with me and Travis. Like I'd, I'd ask a question, and Travis would be like, "I'm glad you asked that question. I've been thinking about this for years." Yes. And, it, and yes. so I started to it started to click, and I was like, "Oh." It's fine to ask these sorts of questions because that's just who I am. And it's fine to have these sorts of discussions because that's just who I am. And I found a community where that's, you know, I can be vulnerable and be promoted. So what it, 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 but it wasn't that I have to exist in this community, right? I do because that's, that's, that's a whole other discussion, but I can still ask these questions. Get the blank stares. And get the blank (laughs) stares because now I realize yeah, it's weird to ask that question, and I'm okay with that. But that's just part of who I am. So for me, it's not. It's a matter of, of which is, is what I've come to understand is that this idea of humbleness is not a lower understanding of yourself than. So so humbleness is not. It, when you need to be humbled, it's not. You need to think less of yourself. Maybe you need to think less of yourself than you have been thinking of yourself. But it's not like I need to think of myself as worse than I am. No. And I definitely need to not think of myself as better than I am. I need to have a proper understanding. Yeah. Well, and I would even I would even say it's not weird to ask the questions. It's weird to think it's weird to ask the questions. Right. And so, and so right. if I you just, think it's weird, you're weird. And I just and so, need to realize, yeah, I need yeah. to realize that that's just who I am. I need to be okay with, that's just my... That's just who I am, right? I I am I yes. have this, so it's a proper understanding of self. It's, it's not good. good. It's not bad. It just is. Yeah, yeah it's a thing. Yeah. thing. Right. It's just yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. It's yeah. like it's just the thing. Like right? that's yeah. so that's what I've had to, to come. And I've gone through a lot of th- things, and, and you know, over the last couple of years, where I've had to come to that realization yeah. is that I, I've had to realize that, that um, when people say they're being humble, they're really 
projecting their false self again. Yeah. Well, we won't, we won't proper, get into it, but you can't right. be humble. Right. Humble's an yeah. action. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like when people say, like, "Oh, I'm just, I'm, you know, like I'm just being humble and all that," which is ridiculous. I understand. Yeah. Oh, it's when you ask when you know this prominent athlete right. in the area, and you say, "Hey, like, are you good at you know your sport?" And they 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 close up, right? And they don't tell you yes. And I go, "You're not being humble." Right. A truly humble right. person, a is someone who is. Completely interested in others, right? But also that can say, "Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a really good. I'm going right. here. I'm being looked at." And right. that's not arrogant no, to say the truth. We think right. the truth is somehow this arrogant right. thing. And one of the things, actually, this is a sort of an aside, but one of the things that I really had to, to, to realize. Someone, I forget who said this to me, but I think it took years for me to really have it sink in. Um, I, when I was a kid and, and through most of my life, I was terrible at taking compliments. Mm. It would make me uncomfortable, yeah. and, I would, and I would try to be like, "Yeah, it's not that big a deal." <laughs> And then someone said, being bad at taking compliments is a form of arrogance. Yes. And I was like, yeah. oh, crap, Shoot. that sucks. Yes, and so I've had you to, don't know your Right, yeah. so I've had to come, I've had to come to realize that I, here's the, the way you, when someone gives you a compliment, just say thank you. That's yeah. it. That's it. Just say yeah. thank you. Right. They're trying to do something nice to you. They're not saying, they're not waiting for you to say, oh, I'm so good so they can get, it's not a gotcha moment. They're offering you, a, they're extend, They're being vulnerable to your point. Yeah. They're being, they're, to yeah. Travis, they're extending a, a hand and by saying something like, oh, wasn't that big a deal, you're slapping their hand down. Man, you right. can almost say thank you and you're welcome. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, because, because, because yeah. Keith, you are smart and so you say thank you, great, but also, yeah, I am smart and so I'm going to go be smart. Right. Yeah. You know, why, why like, can't like, the author? I'm, I'm going to use what, what God's given me or, yes. right. or what, Whatever you right. need, and I'm gonna go, and, yeah. and I'm gonna use. But what is what, what is if you guys write a book, right? Like Josh and, and, and Ryan, you guys write a lot, mm. and, and if and if someone gets a hold of anything you write, and it's like, dude, that was so awesome. There's almost this like humility in being like, oh, you're welcome. Like, <laughs> like, like I know that you're like that sounds arrogant, but the joke yeah. there is kind of like, so the author who write, writes this number one best selling book is like, thank you. What do you say when someone yeah. says thank you? You're, you're welcome. welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. Right. And they give you yeah. a compliment, and there's almost a sense in like, "Thank you for existing." You're, like, you're welcome. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and yeah. whatever. I'm being cheeky, but it's, you're going. But at the end of the totally. day, it's like, dude, yeah. why and that's did, hard. But that's hard for us. Why? Because why? Because it's, it's appreciation okay. of others. So, but to bring this back to the where we started, <laughs> it's the same thing as the parent slapping the little boy's yes. hand away. It's the. It's not about the boy. No. It's about you. Right, so, so they're yeah. they're coming out and they're saying right. they're saying thank you. I'm extending a vulnerable moment to you, mm. and you're literally slapping the hand away, saying no, don't yes, don't, don't do that, and you nope. shame them, and, and because you're not secure in yourself, they feel yeah. uncomfortable and right. awkward, and then you bestow sh- yes, yeah, you shame them, and you know what's funny is uh, uh. I, I got this so so when people sometimes adjust well. Sometimes. And so, if Most I get a compliment, time, yeah. yeah, thank you. Hey, you're very fashionable. I thank you for all your You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. And so, someone goes, someone goes like this, he goes, oh, those are dope, or oh, that's a that's a dope shirt, or whatever. I go, right? Right. Like, they, I'm they, agreeing they, with you. Like, I know they, that's why I'm wearing it. They right. expect you to be uncomfortable with it, though. They don't expect you to say, but you know what they expect know, me to say is, is yeah. thank you. I said, you're complimenting the shirt to me. Are you complimenting my like sense of fashion? So then say, dude, you have really good style. Thank you. But they're like, dude, that's a sick shirt. I go, I know, right? And all of a sudden, I'm a jerk and I'm arrogant and I'm cocky. Right. And I go, what? That's what I said when I saw on the rack. Right. That's why I got it. And all of a sudden, I'm a... so it's this right. weird yeah. perversion. Ah. And, and, and to your point of like getting a compliment, dude, and not saying thank you is that person in turn, you're shaming them. Right. And then they're going like, 
man, I thought I was doing something normal, right, and good because right. I appreciate. And so now it gets into you. I just want to say this is we, because we're so focused on self, we right. don't appreciate everybody else's beauty and I'm not talking about just physical I'm talking but even physical we don't appreciate it right. and because we live in a culture in which we are envious and right. we're constantly jealous of others yes. we can't appreciate the person and that is to the point of Keller's book is he said you get to a place and you're a truly a person who has, uh, has forgotten themselves they they go I'm glad it was done right they go I didn't have to write the book I didn't have to hit the home run. Yeah. I'm just, you can beat me on the court and I'm glad you did it. Right. Because, because it had to be done. Someone right. had to win and I can now look at the winner and go, bravo. So because well what, they, so what they're yeah. saying to you is like, you brought, you brought some sort of joy to my life. Yes. yes. And you're, yeah. and what, and if you, if you say anything other than thank you, if you say like, oh, it wasn't that big a deal, you're telling them their joy wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Well, talk about and a, that's uh, terrible. Talk like, about that fall, the false self like, thing with the, okay, and this is, yeah. this is, and, and, and who, who's helped me? I think, I think, and I don't know if this is what he was saying, but, uh, author uh, John Mark Homer says, I think it was him. He says, uh, uh, you know, this this false self when people were like, oh man, that was great. He's like, you know, just all glory to God. Like, well, yes, but God didn't do it. Right. Like he did it, but he but he used you. Right. And therefore, yeah. you yeah. can say thank you. Yes. Because he called you to do it because. He called your co-heirs. He's saying, I want you to create and cultivate right. to this point. And he's going, hey, stop pretending and say, like, oh, really? I didn't see. Uh, God didn't give the sermon. Man. Right. He gave you the gift. Yeah, so, so cool. Right. So when Genesis 3 is the yes. starting point, then then that shame uh, is what enters into the picture. And we go, right. well, I had it had right. to God because I'm, yeah. I'm just a piece of garbage or whatever. Right. But when Genesis 1 is the starting point, then we go... Oh, God created me, and I'm going to use right. the, the gifts that God gave me to right. do something in this world. And guess what? That makes even God, that gives more glory to God right. than, than yes. us going, oh, well, well, I'm nothing. Right? And so it all comes back to right. understanding the, the, the beginning of this story. Let, let, let's talk for a moment. Let's talk about the white elephant that is society and culture. So I, I, heard, like, I, I remember this moment specifically when I was 16. I became aware of like shame other my, my mom's shame towards me i guess sorry mom if you're listening to this but she the, this the christmas card okay my brothers and sisters like the, you know how they like to have those big uh what, what's everyone up to my brother and sister had like these paragraphs they sound so graduating so so it's going through this yeah. and for me there's one sentence <laughs> one sentence and i was like dude my mom i think my mom's ashamed of me because she was raised on like the leave it to beaver type uh happy days like that was the, the culture right. she was so explaining right now not blaming yeah. But so she inherited the leave it the, to beaver. She inherited that. Right. She was taught that. That idea. So now we fast forward today and, you know, us waking up from shame is like coming out of the matrix, you know? We got all <laughs> like, the, pulling all the tubes yeah. out. And then, but it goes back to like objective beauty. Why can't they see what I see? Like, how am I going to make myself vulnerable and put myself out there without right. them knowing where it's, I'm coming from? Fantastic. Yes. And so we have like... Even today's society's definition of acceptance yeah. is not real. It's like right. I'm accepting you because it makes me feel better as a human right. being about whatever it is yeah. you want. Yeah, well, to. yeah, we're constantly so rejecting and shame. accepting things in order. So if I reject something, what I'm doing is I'm trying to find my identity in it. If mm. I'm ex- I'm about that, I'm not. And when I say I'm not about that, it's also it. What it's doing is I'm saying that's part of who I am. Right. And so we, you know, we're compelled by things or we're, we're repelled by things. And I would even say there's, there's an element of, 
Uh, no, that's, you know, the jealousy factor is you are compelled by it, but you're jealous so you can't be compelled by it instead of the appreciation yeah. and understanding like the complexity of each kid. Yeah. That like you didn't have three of the same. And even if you had triplets, they ain't the same. Right. Yeah. Right. So we're constantly absorbing what society wants from us. So even if we're like, we're aware of, of this, we we tend to get buried beneath what everybody else is thinking or projecting yeah. onto us. Yeah. And I think I think that's why shame is the starting point to transformation. Identifying shame, right. looking at shame, seeing yeah. shame, calling shame what it is. It's, it's like a it's like a car our soul is like a dirty car mm-hmm. you know that has just a, a bunch of dirt on the outside and water everywhere yes. identifying shame is like the car wash right where there's a whole bunch of stuff inside of it that still needs to be like sifted through and worked on but when we when we see the shame we, we call it what it is and it's like we get this like nice car wash for our car so that we can at least see inside and, and see like what, what's down there and what's you going know, on. You know you just made me think about with your car illustration is why, why do people buy white cars? Because they don't look as dirty. Yeah. And so it's almost like we're like the white, we're like these white cars yeah. and they're like, and then, and then you, like you said, you take it to the wash and you go, yeah. oh, it, oh, there was a film. You, yeah. but you know what? You know, you know what? Yeah. You know what my, my, where my mind took me to is like, why do people write "wash me" on those cars as if they're shaming the they're car not, that it's dirty? That's like shame, you're like what? shame like, tactics, guys. You're like, I know my car is dirty. You don't need to write "wash no, me" Keith, on Keith, it because there is because right, if you're forty like, years old and up, right. if you don't have a your car no, but is I, not clean, but I you are not. I just a, think that's you're a, not a whole person. I just think that's right. a funny impulse. And it's what it we've is. been talking about. It's a funny impulse for like the 16-year-old kid because he thinks it's funny, which is the worst right. form of humor. But why would they right. even do this? Because the 45-year-old... Right. Right. right, no, I understand it. I just, why, but let's let's same, take it a step a, further. It's part of the same system. Let's yes. take it a step further. Absolutely. Why, Absolutely. why do you feel super uncomfortable? I'm not saying us. I don't think the four of us fall into this category. But why do a lot of people feel so ashamed when somebody comes over to their house and it's yes. not clean, right. spotless? What do you say? Don't go in that room. Do right. not, do yeah. not... Go in. We pretend to be something we're not in the moment. It's just, it's right. yeah. like, how is there a better picture of just our souls? Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't look at that part. Yes. Right. You know, let's not talk about because, don't do that part. Again, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but, going back, but, go, but going back to Travis's point, because there's a vulnerability in inviting, inviting, not even just having someone stop by your house, but inviting someone over in. when your house is a mess. Yeah. There's a certain amount of courage and vulnerability. What are you inviting them come into? Come in, because you're, to your real, like, this is what to it yourself. looks like. Yeah. This is what this looks like. This is what Tuesday every looks day, like. <laughs> right? This is what this, and, and there's, so you go into someone's house, and I, and this happens all the time. You go into someone's house, and they're like, I apologize for the mess. And it doesn't matter how messy it is, they'll always apologize for right. the mess, because it's a weird, and you go, you're like, not you're sorry, you clean it up. Right. But even then, but what I, what I want to try to do it and this is it's a genuine feeling of mine but I also think it's important in the discussion it's like you know what it's fine like it's fine oh I'm I always gl- say that yeah but I know I know and that's like sort of the polite like that's the I'm sorry it's messy oh it's fine that's the polite it's- sort of social contract but I'm saying there needs to be genuine expression in that. Like, that's fine. Yeah. It's funny too that I, you mentioned almost, that. I almost want to say like I'm glad it's messy yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. good I'm glad yeah, 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 you know what I was right thank you yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's funny you mentioned that because like when I take people in my car, my car's messy most of the time, and I'm always Doesn't like, talk to you about that. Yeah. Like, I mean, there needs to be some like accountability on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I'm like, 
my car is messy. I would clean it, but I, I don't care. And then they look at me with like this shame. They're like, you should be ashamed of yourself. Like, yes. Like, you should care. I'm like, yeah. why? <laughs> you should care that you care, bro. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Like, yeah. I, I think what we're saying is, aren't there some more important things in this world that we should actually care about? For right. sure. Right. Other than, than yeah. making sure every last piece of dust is off of. Right. Well, do you, it, you, we have, yeah, and if it really bothers you that much, offer to help them clean it. <laughs> Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> well, well, and, and awesome. let's go back to let's go back yeah. to just. Okay, if it really bothers you, yeah, come over. Yeah. Yeah. Is is I my my one of my cousins? He's very artistic. I mean, he's an insane artist yeah. and a great musician. And we, me, him, and my brother shared a room for years through college. <laughs> And I'm not the cleanest guy, but I'm pretty tidy. And then it kind of goes down from to my, I would say, then my brother, then him, or whatever. And my cousin can function with guitar strings at the edge of his pillow. Right. Yeah. And CDs at the foot of his bed. Yeah, right. Like, I'm, I'm not talking about, like, like stacks and, and, and a guitar laying next to him. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. Right. No. And no. I would I've, go, what? And we always, we have these jokes about, it. we always reflect right. on our old, and we kind of like make fun of each other about things. And, and I just go, he's okay. Right. Yeah. Why does that bother me? Because I didn't sleep in his bed with him. Right. We were 20 in our That's 20s. a whole other discussion. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's fine. The heat and went so, out one night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was tired. I thought it was my bed. And, and so, in, in that is, why do I care? Now, if he put his guitar strings on my bed, yes, yeah. I care now. But he didn't, yeah. and it's fine, and he functions well. Right. He's fine. He is, he is an incredible guy, and, it, and who cares? But it goes right. back to why are we so obsessed with everyone trying to be like, this is what we do in relationships. Right. Right? And, 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 and this is what you guys were talking about something earlier. I just wanted to kind of go back a little bit as to what, what is going on and what is going on in our humanity and Keller talks about this in the meaning of marriage is when you get married to someone you're really signing up to partner with God to create and to cultivate an environment for that person mm-hmm. to become who God created them to be not who you want them to right. be which is usually just yourself yes. and N.T. Wright brings up there's these moments where you get a glimpse right. of who they were really created to be and quote unquote, who we will be as our future selves. So, so let's even yeah. then wrap. Let's yeah. kind of put a bow yes. on this then, yes. because if we're going to take that model, and that's a brilliant illustration for marriage, but it's a perfect illustration for parenting. Mm. Your responsibility as a parent, and again, yes, please hear me. I am not a parent yet, and I will not be a perfect one. But if that's the call, the call is to create an environment and cultivate an environment where your kid is not who you want them to be, which is shame. Good. But who God made them to be, which is truth. Yes. So that's, if we're going to think about shame in parenting, and again, we're all human, so we're going to make that mistake, but the goal is to create an environment where the kid becomes who they're supposed to be. Their true self. And and you won't shame them. Now, there's some other things where, yeah, it's you can't drop your pants in the middle of a grocery aisle, but right. but, but you, you do it in a way that, 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 that you cultivate the yeah. person, the, the soul, rather than, than like... The, the, the social yeah. construct of the kid. And you do that through having enough courage to have conversations. You right. do that through having um, the, the wherewithal. I think, I think for a lot of it, it's just, it's just ignorance, right? right. Like, like, like nobody knows. And, right. and then you right. say that and you go, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. Right. right. So it's having the, enough education and, right. and thought, thinking through this enough to realize 
hey, I I need to celebrate mm-hmm. the the good parts of my kid. I need to not try to try to fit them into a certain mold. I need to understand that there's going to be times where they they mess up, and so let's talk about that in a healthy environment, right? And Absolutely. let's let's put them on the right trajectory, and let's let's go from there. Yeah. Right. All right, I'm gonna end this way because I just want this. I want this recorded too. <laughs> to whoever my firstborn, because you're about to be born in about six months. Mm. I'm so excited for you to be here. I love you already. All right, there I it think is. that's good. All right, all right. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Hope you do listen to us and uh, follow us on all of the social medias. Like us on Facebook, like us, uh, follow us on Twitter, like Humanican Media, follow them. Um, and our Twitter handle is uh, at w a t underscore podcast. And then Humanica Media, yeah, just uh, hu- uh, Humanica, just at Humanica Media. That's uh, all right. And and we'd love to hear your comments, your feedback, anything like that. Follow us, give us a shout out. Um, Respond to us. Let us know what you want to hear. Yeah, let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what you think about this episode. We want to know um, everybody's feedback. um, Wherever that takes place. Wherever you find us, let us know what you think. That's uh, to us people that can feel things, it... it, uh... It hurts.